Hey friend, my name is Stephanie Peltier, AKA Honestly Mommy. I'm a homeschooling mom of five, wife of a very sexy cop, and an influencer and social media business coach. Several years ago, I started an Instagram page when I was three weeks postpartum with my second baby. I knew nothing about social media, but I have learned the skills necessary to grow a thriving community of women and earn a full-time income for my family. And now I'm sharing everything I know with you because I believe that you can turn anything you're passionate about into a business online. And I know that with the right strategies, you can also be a successful mompreneur. In this podcast, we'll discuss everything from marketing and sales to money and growth strategies, motherhood and beyond. Nothing is off limits and everything is the raw, honest truth. Welcome to the Influential Mama Podcast, where we learn how to wield our influence with authenticity. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Influential Mama Podcast after a brief interlude, which we'll actually be talking about today. I am grateful to have you tuning into this episode as it's going to be quite a bit different from my normal shows. If you've been following along with my podcast at all, then you may have realized that while I just recently launched, (laughs) I also just recently stopped sharing any new episodes. Not exactly how I planned my big podcast launch to go as I was and still am so very excited about this new venture, but as it often does, Life threw me a curveball that I wasn't ready for, and I had to make some adjustments. So that's what I'd like to talk about today. Three months ago, I logged off social media, and I haven't been back on since, which is kind of crazy when social media is my job and my hobby and something I really enjoy. I would love to say that I finally took the extended break that I need and deserve to enjoy my family and focus more on being in the moment with them. But that would just not be the truth. And while I did try to do these things during this unexpected break from work, it was not the main reason that I just suddenly up and seemingly quit. Truth is, my world is imploded on Mother's Day in a way that I didn't expect. And I've been working on picking up the pieces ever since. Mentally and emotionally, I have not had the ability to do anything more than focus on getting through. Before I get into the nitty gritty of all of that, I do want to share a few things and kind of preface this episode. First off, I am not saying all of this because I have to. One of the things that I actually teach my students in the Influential Mama course is that you don't owe anyone an explanation ever. So part of me honestly wrestled with whether or not I should just come back on, claim that I took the summer off to be with family, all the things. But I knew I couldn't do that for three reasons. Number one, (laughs) and this is a big one, my conscience wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, honestly, 
There is a reason that I chose the name Honestly Mommy all those years ago. And it's because honesty truly is a, a core characteristic for me. And I knew I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I just came back and pretended that everything was fine or tried to put on this fake persona and like tell you that my life is so perfect and so great. That would have absolutely eaten me alive. Number two, I have also made it my goal from the very beginning to try and help as many women as I can. And part of how I do that is to share vulnerably, to help normalize some of the struggles that we go through in life as moms, as wives, as women. I knew that keeping my struggles to myself would truly be a disservice to others. And number three, um, lastly, I just felt like I couldn't belittle the care that I have been shown by all those who have reached out because they were concerned about me. Over the course of this summer, I have received uh, messages, emails, texts, DMs from people who were concerned, who noticed I was gone and wanted to check in to make sure everything was okay. But even more than that, people have reached out and told me that not only were they thinking about me, but they were praying for me. And that is part of what has gotten me through and is still getting me through one of the hardest times in my life. So thank you to everyone who reached out. Ariel Tyson, Kia from Kindly Kia, Mitzi, Rebecca from The Proud P Wife, Taylor, Jody from Jack Spratt Earrings, Amanda, my young living ladies. So, so many of you have contacted me in such a kind and genuine way. And I will say that it's crazy how timely the messages and texts and emails were. You truly know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God sees you in your struggle and your pain when you are going through absolute hell on a random Tuesday afternoon and a virtual stranger from the internet reaches out just to say, hey, you're on my mind. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Seriously, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the genuine and thoughtful messages. God used so many different people just to encourage me and speak to my heart and let me know that he saw me even in the midst of my struggle. So there you go. I didn't feel like I could come back without some sort of explanation and I knew that if it wasn't real, it would haunt me. So here we go with the details that I feel ready to put out there for the world right now. At the beginning of May, my husband shared some vulnerable things with me, and that was just the beginning of a very rough journey for us. And truthfully, we are still wading through a lot of it. I don't necessarily feel ready to come back to social media, but my husband has encouraged me to continue my work because he knows that social media and what I get to do here is something that I love and truly enjoy. So 
what most of my summer boils down to is that our marital struggles were much bigger than I realized. And my husband in particular was feeling them very deeply. I had felt for a while um, that we were struggling, but I will say that I somewhat like naively or blindly thought that it was just the same old struggles that we'd been through before. Lack of communication, not loving one another well, the constant balance of, you know, parenting and married life, et cetera, et cetera. But the more we talked, the more I realized that there was a lot of unspoken hurt and anger between us. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that, but once you open up that can of worms and you start digging, it is really hard to put the lid back on and just pretend like everything is fine. So after realizing some of the depth of our mess, I got off social media. At first, it was just my larger page as I felt that since my honestly influential page, which is my new venture, um, because it's geared towards business and I don't share a lot of my personal life on there, I just figured, oh, like I'll be fine and I can keep up with that. Um, But as the weeks went on and we just continued to hit new lows in our struggle to understand each other and reconcile I knew that I needed to step away and just take the time to more fully focus on my husband and our marriage. And guys, (laughs) it has been a summer, not one that I would like to relive anytime soon, but we are doing our best and we are getting through. We both did and said things that we regret that have only compounded and added to the hurt. We've also had some really, really good times as we've gone through this roller coaster of highs and lows together. And I will be very vulnerable and let you know that we're still working on a lot. And I I say that because I would greatly appreciate your prayers And I'm also just preparing you and telling you, get ready for hot mess express stuff like you have probably never experienced before. It's gonna be messy. (laughs) So at this point, I'm sure people are probably like, you know, marital problems, like really, that's it. And that's totally okay. Because there was a point in my life that if someone had told me they were struggling in their marriage really badly or considering separation or divorce, I may have just been like, you know, like, what is the big deal? Just work it out, move on, get over it. But now I have a very different perspective on marital discord because truthfully, it can shatter your world. And also, because of some of the situations we've gone through this summer, I am currently experiencing some PTSD symptoms and anxiety attacks. Again, not something that I've ever walked through before. So it's been really hard, but it also has given me a new perspective and I feel like deeper empathy for those who are going through the same thing. I'm 
working with a therapist right now to figure out some of my pain and triggers and stressors. Um, But a part of me hopes that just in being able to share about healing from trauma, from being vulnerable about where I'm at in my mess, that it may help somebody who is experiencing similar feelings, whether it's from emotional or physical trauma or whatever it is. So (laughs) I just want to stop for a second and go down a quick bunny trail for a moment just to say that like if this is resonating with you and if you're struggling right now, it's okay. And I don't mean that in trying to say whether or not your situation will work out and be okay because I don't know. I mean it purely in the sense of it is okay to struggle. It is okay to not be okay. It's okay to have good days. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to be the hot mess express and show up in your genuine vulnerability. It is okay not to hide that from the world. Actually, if there's one thing that I have learned through all of this, it's that being vulnerable is very, very scary, but it also can be very rewarding and healing. I have a handful of close friends, you know who you are, who have waded through this muck with me and they have been there for me. They've supported me in my brokenness. They've loved me well. They've encouraged me to keep fighting for my marriage. And I truly, truly do not know where I would be without them. And that's all because of vulnerability, because of being willing to let people in. So as scary as it is, don't be scared of it. It's worth it. Are you interested in starting your own social media page, sharing your passion, and earning income from your phone? Great, then you're in the right place. The Influential Mama course was designed to walk you through the process of launching and growing an Instagram page. The course is self-paced, includes tech tutorials, and access to a private mentorship community. It's everything you need to get started. So what are you waiting for? Check the show notes below for more information and a very special offer. Oh, so yeah, that is, that's in, in a nutshell, that's what I've been doing this summer. I have been fighting for my marriage, uh, struggling with my own personal mental health. And (laughs) also maybe I've been hiding just a little bit because as much as it's easy to say, yeah, be vulnerable with the world, show up as your hot mess self. It's hard. It is hard and it takes courage. But I knew I couldn't come back to social media until I was at least somewhat ready to handle everything that comes along with 
uh, my job and what I do here. Actually, it's really ironic to me. No, it's not ironic. It's God. It's truly God. But earlier this year, I felt like my word for 2023 was freedom. I have been fighting for new levels of freedom in my own heart and mind, my marriage, my attitude, my relationships, and I mean, just in general, my life for most of this year. So yeah, totally fitting. Just in thinking about coming back to social media, I had this epiphany moment where I was like, oh my gosh, there was a couple times I got on my stories and just ranted about how I wanted like deeper levels of freedom, (laughs) having no idea what was about to hit me. And, you know, honestly, I already felt like a shift needed to happen in my online presence. I, I, I know there is more for me on my little platform, but at the time I wasn't totally sure what it is. And I'm still figuring that out, but I think I have a clearer picture now. So know that this is going to be part of it. Get ready, like I said, for more Hot Mess Express stuff and maybe even more honesty than you or I am comfortable with. Because honesty and vulnerability is uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to sit in our mess. But it's so good and it's so healing. But another thing, just kind of in a, like a housekeeping note for those of you who are still listening, moving forward, I will have even stronger boundaries for my platform Uh, Most likely, I am not going to be in my inbox much as reading people's opinions on my personal life and like my struggle or even just answering questions can really take a toll on my mental health and it takes a lot of time. So since I feel like I have a limited capacity to give at this point, that is an area that I know I'm going to have to cut back. It has been a great privilege to me to get to connect with women, to hear their stories, hear where I can help, you know, just do whatever I can. But mostly that is done through private messages. So right now, while I'm sad about it, I just feel like I need to let that go. I hope someday I can be back in my inbox more regularly. But for now, If your message goes unanswered, please know that it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't see you or I'm ignoring you. I do want to chat with you. It's that I'm not in the place where I feel like I can. So I'm just going to go with that typical breakup line. It's not you. It's me. But no, truly, like that really is true. Um, yeah, no, you know, in all that, like, I feel like sometimes even people just come to me wanting like links or like asking like a simple question about my story. So I'm going to try to be very conscious of housing my resources and links, um, as easily accessible as possible. But yeah, most likely I'm not going to be like responding to each individual message, sending out links or whatever. So if you're looking for a link, My platform for the unforeseen future is going to be a bit more of a self-service platform. And yeah, I promise if you are looking for a link, you will most likely be able to find it through the link in my bio. I try to keep that super updated, super clear, and have all of my most important things there. So trust me, it's there. 
In wrapping up this episode, I do also just want to take a moment to say that all of this is shared with my husband's full knowledge and his support. Part of my hesitation for coming back on social media is that I do share my life with a large audience. And most are strangers, but there are also people who know us in real life. So in sharing something deeply personal like this, I knew that he and I needed to be on the same page about what it was that I was going to say, as I didn't want to share anything that he was uncomfortable with. And it's it's funny to me, but knowing how much to share about my life is actually one of the really hard parts of this job. A close friend of mine recently reminded me that I am a very private person, which I know probably gave a few people a chuckle just now. I mean, judging by what I do on social media, but it's actually true. I am not one to share my heart easily. And while I am willing to be honest about my struggles, it's hard to be vulnerable with such a large and varied audience. I am constantly going back and forth on how much to share, what details of my life to share, just just all of that. So today I am doing my best to share what my husband and I feel comfortable with disclosing to a large audience. I truly hope that as he and I move forward through this, we are able to help those who may be struggling in their marriages because the more that we've actually opened up about this and like shared with people, the more both of us have realized there are a lot of hurt and broken people in the world. Everyone goes through their own varied levels of hell on earth at different times in their lives, but mostly we're taught to hide it. And why? Why? Why are we all pretending together that everything is okay? It doesn't even make sense. One of the things that I so greatly admire about my husband is that even in the midst of us going through this intense marital struggle, he continues to say that he doesn't want to hide. He doesn't want to hide from the yuck and the mess, that he doesn't want to just pretend that everything is okay when it's not. And as hard as it is to live in the tension of being okay with not being okay, that's where we're at. Continuing to move forward one step at a time, even when it's hard. All right, well, that's, I think, about all that I have for this episode. I know it was a bit heavy and seemingly off topic for this podcast, but I hope there are still some lessons that you pick up from all of it. I talk extensively in my course, The Influential Mama, about putting family first and having strong boundaries when it comes to running a business online. So this summer was actually a chance for me to practice what I preach. Family and relationships should always, always come first. No amount of money or followers or fulfillment derived from pursuing your passion will ever replace the blessing of being loved. Your family and those who are closest to you are 
worth investing in. They are worth fighting for, even when it's hard. And truthfully, I think one of the allures of social media that we can get caught up in is that it's an escape from hard most of the time. It can numb your senses and distract you from from what's really important in life. But as my friend Abby Helberstadt from M is for Mama likes to say, hard is not the same as bad. So I'm going to leave you with that. If you are in a hard season of your life, hang in there, Mama. And if you're not, can I encourage you to take this time to invest more fully in the people you love. Adore them. Appreciate them and make sure that they feel your love. You won't regret it. And I bet that's where you thought this podcast would end. Well, (laughs) so did I, friend. So did I. But it turns out that when it rains, it pours. And the crap fest that has been my life in 2023 continued that very night. So let me let me tell you more about it. Originally, I recorded the first half of this episode on Thursday, August 10th, while my kids were like all in bed napping in the afternoon. Um, I got it all edited. I scheduled it to go up at 6.30 a.m. the following morning, so on a Friday, just like normal. This was going to be my little, you know, comeback episode, if you will, and I had a fun Instagram post that was going to explain my long, unannounced absence and also just say, you know, like, hey, I'm back. So I... As much as I was apprehensive about this episode because it was extremely personal and vulnerable, I also was really excited about it and just ready to get back to social media and the work that I love doing here. So after I recorded, got it all scheduled to go up, I got ready for our regularly scheduled date night. Every Thursday this summer, we've been doing a date night. Um, I curled my hair. I spent time making like epic epic smoky eyes. I literally, I kid you not, I pulled the tags off a brand new fitted romper that I had bought specifically to wear out on our motorcycle, um, which is kind of like our date night vehicle. And I mean, just not to brag, but just in general, I turned myself from mom mode into a snack, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I went and picked up the babysitter. We hopped on the motorcycle, Jeremy and I, at about 4.50. And by mm, 5.10, 5.15, we were laying on the pavement after having a black SUV come out of nowhere and cross into our lane. And we hit it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I guess the the saga continues. And here are all the details of that day that ended up stalling this episode until now and causing it to need to be amended in some way. So I did share a little bit on social media about our accident, but not necessarily like specifics. And I mean, it's a long story. So sit down, grab a cup of coffee or tea or something, buckle up, here we go. The accident actually happened in the city where Jeremy is a police officer, which was 
like weird and ironic. Uh, but it also meant we received very good help immediately. Like not saying they they don't do that for everybody else. Yes, they absolutely do. But looking up and seeing faces you recognize is really surreal. Um, so we were headed north towards a the main four-way intersection. Um, it's controlled by stoplights and everything like this is, it's a small town, but this is like their big intersection. We were going straight and we had a green light. There were, like, I, I clearly remember this. There were no cars in front of us. There were no cars behind us. Like I was like, oh man, like, here we go. Um, but there was a long line of cars waiting to turn left. So we kind of had like a wall of cars alongside of us on our left, even though we were going straight and we had the right way. Um, well, someone in that long line of cars decided to leave a gap for a vehicle who was heading south, or for those of you who are directionally challenged like me, um, someone left a gap for a vehicle that was headed in the opposite direction of us um, so they could turn into a parking lot. Basically, both people made a very unsafe decision and the one vehicle shot blindly through a line of cars and out into our lane. Yeah, so it was super surreal for me. Like, I seriously, I clearly remember seeing the green light and like, I don't know how, you know, your brain kind of like thinks ahead of you. And so I was like thinking about how like, okay, we're just going to keep cruising along this intersection. And we actually headed to go see my husband's brother. And so like my brain was already in that direction. And like, where are we going to go for, you know, our restaurant? Like, what are we going to eat? Like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden there was a large black SUV that like it, it to me, it felt like it literally came out of nowhere. Our lane was open and then suddenly it wasn't. And I am honestly still suffering from increased anxiety over that fact that this car just like popped out at us. And so driving through intersections right now um, is, yeah, I cringe every single time because I just, yeah, it's, it's intense and I have this fear in me that somebody is going to come out at me. Um, so I I barely had time to register that the vehicle was there before I felt Jeremy slam on the brakes. Um, and after, you know, like reliving the event, we think that at this point I hit my head against him because I blacked out and it's so weird. It's so weird. So I I remember the feel of him. He laid the bike down. That's what they called it. He laid the bike down uh, to try and slow us down because he knew that, I mean, the the vehicle came out only about a car and a half ahead of us. Like it was such a short distance um, and it would have been even more dangerous to try to swerve because we would have ended up in front of it uh, and most likely under it. Um, so I fully believe that my husband made the best and the safest choice in this situation. Um, but yeah, so anyhow, so I, I blacked out and I don't actually remember what happened, but my body does. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than that, that I, I remember the feel of the bike being laid on its side, 
my body knows what it felt like to hit the vehicle. But like cognitively, I don't have active memory of it. Like I, that's the only way I can explain it. It's real weird. Um, and I do want to clarify here for a second because I haven't, I don't think I've totally explained the details of the crash and kind of like what happened, the events surrounding it. So let me just clarify for the record. We had the right of way. Um, we were driving straight. We had a green light, like all signs say go. Um, and we were actually driving below the speed limit. So praise the Lord, we were actually going fairly slow. Um, the We were in the middle of a town. I think the speed limit's about 40. And my husband thinks we were going under 35. So again, like there's just so many circumstances this where I can see God's hand protecting us. Um, but yeah, we had the right of way. We were going under the speed limit and we both were wearing helmets and protective gear. So just wanted to clarify all of that information because I feel like, you know, on social media, people just get real bent out of shape over the details that they they don't even know. So there, there's your details, okay? We 100% were not at fault in this accident. And that is honestly um, what has left me feeling the most angry about the entire thing. It was a freak accident and we were following all of the traffic laws. We were being safe and cautious and two drivers decided not to, which ended up putting our lives at danger. So yeah, it's painful to me. Can't change the past. It happened. But let me just say, please drive carefully and watch for motorcycles. Thank you. Okay. I'm getting down off, off my soapbox now and we're going to continue. <laughs> so, all right. So I passed out. We impact all that. Um, next thing that I actually remember is being on my hands and knees. And I remember like just gasping for breath. Probably one of the freakiest experiences I've ever gone through. I'm not sure if I had the wind knocked out of me or if it was actually um, because I was hyperventilating, um, but I could not breathe. Incredibly scary. Like I was, <gasps> you know, where you're like, you're breathing in, but it's not reaching your lungs and you can't breathe out. Like, oh, like even now, I, it just, it gives me chills. It was so incredibly scary. Um, a bunch of people had already gotten out of their their cars um, and I remember somebody telling me, you know, don't move, lay down, lay down, because of course, at this point, nobody was sure the extent of injuries and it's safer, it's safest in situations like this if the individuals don't move in case they have like a neck or a back thing, you don't want to make it worse, um, <laughs> which this is funny, um, but in a weird, the weird state that my brain was in and people being like, lay down, lay down, I remember like, like thinking like, oh, yeah, that's. That sounds like a great idea. And I like lowered myself to the ground and actually passed out again, um, which I think was just allowing my body to like catch up. So while I was unconscious, the second time I had this really weird dream about getting in an accident, which again, I think my brain was trying to catch me up and like prepare me for what was happening I remember, like, you know when, you, when you're coming to in the morning and your your brain is working, but you haven't quite woke up yet, so you're kind of in that weird dream stage and you're, like, thinking, but you're also still dreaming. So I remember starting to wake up and thinking, like, oh, man, like, gosh, an accident, that would be horrible. 
And then all of a sudden, I registered like this burning pain all over my body. My ribs were hurting. My hands were like pressing into the pavement. I'm pretty sure I could feel it on my cheek too. Like it was like digging into my cheek. So I I opened my eyes and realized I am laying on the ground. So then my thoughts go from like, oh, that'd be horrible to like, oh, crap, that actually just happened. My language was not that tame, by the way. It was much more colorful in my head as my mind was trying to catch up to the reality of what just happened. Um, this point, I'm still having a hard time breathing and I'm in a ton of pain, but I was able to garner the fact that I could still move. So I began panicking and searching for Jeremy. Like this is where I actually feel like my brain really started working again and I realized like I need to find him. Um, so he was laying on his back a little ways over from me. So I remember like kind of like scooting awkwardly on my butt and I I know there were people like no don't move don't move and I'm I'm like tugging at my helmet because the strap was so tight I couldn't breathe and even I think my my throat had already started to swell a little bit like I just I, I can't even tell you how excruciating it was that that strap being there and just like biting into my neck and chin and so I'm like I'm taking it off and honestly I think I was kind of rude to someone who is trying to, you know, be cautious and stop me from moving. And I'm pretty sure I said something like, I, I need to be by my husband or like, I will be by him, something like that. So I'm so sorry if you were an innocent bystander and I like freaked out at you. I just, I wasn't all there. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, I managed to make it over to Jeremy. I was kind of down by, he had his knees bent. And so I was kind of down by his knee. I was able to like put my hand on him. Um, I got my helmet off and I'm like trying to tell him like, you know, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm sobbing. I don't know. I could tell he's in a ton of pain. My nose is bleeding. Like it was, it was so awkward and so weird. And then there's somebody coming over and they're trying to put, um, it's called a C collar or, you know, like the neck brace thing on him because he was in incredible pain and he kept talking about his back and saying like my back my back and um so at that point I think we all thought he might have some sort of like neck or spinal injury um which was like again my brain wasn't firing on all cylinders at this point so the amount of anxiety and fear and panic was like that's all my body felt besides pain there was there was pain for sure involved um yeah and like like I said like looking around and seeing police officers that I recognized his supervisor was on scene within like five to seven minutes or something like that like another officer that he trained um friends of his from local agencies like it, I I can't explain it to you what it felt like to be the one receiving help and I'm pretty sure I was crying and freaking out and panicking. Um, also because I, it all of a sudden hit me that we had just left our five children at home with a babysitter. So I'm trying to make <laughs> phone calls. Um, I called his sister. I called a close friend of mine because already my mom brain was on overdrive. I knew, I knew that we were not coming home that night. Like just judging by the amount of extreme pain he was in, I was like, we're, we're not going home. And so anyhow, yeah, so it's weird, but in emergency situations, your mom brain, you're still there. You're still there. 
So pretty quickly, they they got Jeremy onto a gurney and into an ambulance, and then they moved me to another one because I also needed to be monitored, which really bothered me. I wanted to be in the ambulance with him, and like instantaneously, I had separation anxiety and was like freaking out. Um, but we both took an ambulance, so separate ambulance rides down to the same trauma center near us. Um, and like I remember bits and pieces of it, but basically all I remember is being in searing pain, having a really hard time breathing and like trying to contain my sobbing as I'm freaking out because Jeremy was in such rough shape. And turns out my fears were totally valid, um, which I didn't find out till later. But so we we get there and my ambulance paramedic was actually a, a female. She was a woman. And so we we talked a little bit on the way down, you know, as she's trying to like check me over and look at stuff and she recognized in that moment that I was having extreme separation anxiety like that you know panic was literally overwhelming me and she actually held my gurney back for a moment because we kind of arrived right before or after they did or whatever and so we were getting unloaded at the same time but because he was in such bad shape like they were you know being super careful and all this stuff and so she held me back so that we could be wheeled in together and I was able to reach out and touch him and be like, you know, I'm here, I'm okay, like all this stuff. I think I said I love you. Like I don't remember totally what I said. Like I said, my mind wasn't all there. But yeah, if there is anything that I can say about a trauma situation like this, it's that any act, any tiny act of human kindness goes a long ways because that was the last time that I saw him for several hours and I held on to that moment of being able to connect with him the entire time that I sat alone in my hospital room like sobbing and falling to pieces. So all that to say that if you ever get the chance to extend someone even the smallest bit of humanity, human kindness, whatever, like please do it. You have no idea how life-changing that moment could be or like what it will do for them. So I'm in the hospital. He's in the hospital. Uh, I had a really hard time, or we're in the emergency room. (laughs) I had a really hard time getting information about how he was doing. Uh, Snippets ended up being passed to me from his sergeant and his chief who came in immediately to the hospital to support us and like, you know, get a, a handle on like what was going on. Um, his sister also came with her family to be with us. His brother came later. Like, so I, we had people supporting us and I'm so grateful because otherwise I would have known nothing about what was going on with him, even though he gave permission and asked them to relay information. But that's another, it's a whole other story. So anyhow, the information that I, that we were getting was not good. Um, Jeremy's spleen had a level five laceration. Don't know if you know much about medical terms because I didn't previous to this, but there are only five levels of laceration. So yeah, um, really bad. Basically, they told us it was completely crushed and he was bleeding very badly internally because of it. So they ended up having to rush him into an emergency surgery to stop the bleeding. The wait for me during this time was 
absolutely excruciating because once things kind of calmed down and I was able even just to, you know, rest for a while, I was pretty sure that my injuries weren't as severe as his, but of course, because I blacked out um, and even just because of like the force of the trauma and all that, they needed to rule out any brain injuries. They want to make sure I didn't have internal bleeding, broken bones, all that. So I waited and I waited and I waited. I kid you not, longest wait of my life and I still have feelings about that, but we're going to move on. So I finally got all my tests done. They told me that they may want to keep me overnight for observation But as soon as I was assured that I didn't have like life-threatening injuries and, you know, I was safe and okay to be discharged, I was like, nope, like I need to be with my husband. Um, So they discharged me and I made it to his bedside at about 11.30 p.m., which again, the crash happened at like 5.15 or something. So we were apart for hours and it was horrible. Um, So I made it there just a little bit after his emergency surgery and walking into his hospital room and seeing him with tubes and wires. And at this point, he was just gasping in pain and I lost it, (laughs) kind of like I'm losing it now. So please excuse me. Um, But all I remember is just finally being able to touch his hand and reassure him that I was there and that I was okay. Couldn't reassure him that he was okay, which was horrible, but I at least was like, you know, I'm here, I'm here. And, um, he was on heavy pain medication, obviously, and stuff, you know, just from going into emergency surgery. And it's crazy, but I know the moment that he realized I was there because he also started to cry and all he kept asking is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Um, you know, which he told me later that he was suffering the same thing I was just with like the separation anxiety, even though he was in such intense pain and like in surgery, he's like, anytime I was even slightly lucid, like I was asking about you and freaking out because I just wasn't sure he wasn't sure if I was okay. And so, yeah, it was horrible. Um, yeah, it was horrible. (laughs) I'm so yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure how much more of the emotional side of our story I think I can get into at this point because as you can tell um it it was almost a month later and I still feel so incredibly raw and like traumatized from it so maybe someday I can share more because there was there was so much God in protecting us and keeping us safe and then also just what this did for us I don't know. Someday maybe I'll be able to get there without crying, but we'll see. So let's just, we're going to kind of stick to some facts. (laughs) So after all that we went through um, this summer and just, you know, what I explained at the beginning of this episode, this crash felt so completely surreal. Like I, I realized for the first time that this summer I was faced with losing him over and over again, just in different ways. And at the end of it, you know, this time it was physically. Um, So my mind and emotions are shot. Like I am completely exhausted from all of this. We ended up spending the entire weekend in the hospital. We were discharged late Sunday afternoon, which was honestly way sooner than I ever imagined 
we would be because when I got to him that night, like the level of pain and trauma his body had endured, I thought for sure we would be in the hospital for at least a week. But Jeremy was so incredibly brave and he worked so hard while we were there to do everything that they wanted him to do with physical therapy and like x-rays and all these different things um, so that we could get home to our kids. Like his goal, he was like, I like, I want to go home and be with our kids. And so yeah, final injury total, or, you know, actually, honestly, I should say at this point anyways, because we keep finding new things. It's lovely. Um, Jeremy has 12 breaks in his ribs that are spread out between the front and the back. His spleen is also now completely dead as the emergency surgery that they did to, I mean, basically probably save his life. It cut off all the blood supply to his spleen. So eventually it's just going to kind of like shrivel up and die. Uh, But we didn't know that till later. So, you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. (laughs) Um, And he has uh, 10 different breaks or fractures in his right hand which is going to be the longest and, strangely enough, potentially the most damaging part of his injuries because one of the bones in his hand that suffered three fractures is called the the scaphoid bone. I don't know. I've heard people say scaphoid and I've heard them say scaphoid, something like that. Um, and it is, it's right under your thumb. You know, like parts of your body that you didn't know were important until, oh yeah, they're really important. So... This part of the hand right under your thumb has very low blood supply, which makes it take a long time to heal and it's very difficult to heal. So he's already had one follow-up surgery to put some metal wires in that will, they're hoping will help like hold the bones together while it um, heals. And we won't even know if it's if it's seeing much healing until about three months. So the surgeon and doctor that we're working with told us that he could be, he could expect to be in a cast anywhere, like minimally three months, um, six, nine, like we don't know at this point. So yeah, I am sure that as you can imagine, being a police officer who is right-handed, uh, this news is very scary for our family and for our future. So uh, please keep praying for us. Like I know so many people are praying for us and we feel it and we appreciate it. Please, please, please continue to pray for my husband that this bone heals quickly and it heals well. Like we need that. So I, on the other hand, have a mild concussion. I have three fractured ribs. Um, Those weren't discovered until a follow-up appointment 10 days later. (laughs) So yeah, Um, which explained a lot, by the way. Like, I don't think they found it that first night because of maybe swelling potentially or something. Um, But when we did a follow-up, yep, he's like, oh no, you you have three fractured ribs. Like, for sure, it's very clear. I was like, oh, that explains a lot of my pain. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I had some horrible road rash. Oh my gosh, it burns. It burns. Um, But that's getting better now. Um, Also, like, neck, back pain, you know, overall, tons of bruises, all that, which, of course, Jeremy has, too. So we're working on all of it. We are healing. We are recovering. um, But it has been a lot. So, yeah, my 
My husband is my hero. He not only saved both of our lives, but I know that he did his absolute best during the accident to shield me from impact. Like, it's crazy, but for all intents and purposes, he basically used himself as a human airbag (laughs) and quite literally put himself between me and harm's way. So if that doesn't give you all the warm fuzzies, I don't know what does. But yeah, that's a, that, there you go. That's my brief overview of our recent weeks. And that is why I decided at 5 a.m. on Friday the 11th to pause the release of this episode. Even though Jeremy had already approved it and he was comfortable with me sharing it, I, I couldn't. I didn't feel right about posting something so vulnerable and how was I supposed to do some sort of easygoing, happy, hey guy post when, you know, I'm sitting at his bedside in the hospital. Like after all that we just endured in those last 12 hours, I was like, no, I I just felt disloyal at the thought of going ahead with it. So um, yeah, I paused it until I could kind of like think things through. And the funny thing is, is he actually remembered. He's like, wait, like, you know, did you did you post your podcast? And because he knew I was supposed to be going back and he was so excited for me to get back on social media and kind of like start up this side of my life again. And so when I told him I hadn't allowed it to go through, he's like, why not? So anyhow, that was like a funny conversation. But yeah, I feel like this accident ended up serving as a wake up call for both of us. And truly, I I hope and pray that this is the bookend to a terrible summer. Like, Lord, please, I can't take anymore. I, I realize now how easy it is to take those that we love for granted. And also it's been that revelation that come hell or high water, like I love my husband and I will fight for him with every fiber of my being. And I know he'd say the same for me. Like I hope it doesn't take an accident for that revelation to hit your heart because I really don't recommend having to go through this level of trauma and painful physical healing. But my encouragement to you, if I can wrap up this episode with some sort of happiness, um, would be to look around. Look around at the people in your life that you love. But maybe, you know, who are you taking for granted? Who do you need to tell that you appreciate them or maybe someone that you need that you need to go out of your way with a grand gesture of love to reawaken their heart toward you like who are you taking for granted don't become complacent in your relationships and just coast my encouragement is really love people and fight for them love them well because My realization has been you never know how much longer you may have that person in your life. And heaven forbid that you only realize what they actually meant to you when it's too late. So go love people today because you will never regret loving people well. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Influential Mama podcast. Show notes and links are listed below. And don't forget to come hang out with me daily on Instagram. And remember, you've got this, mama. Mama.